Um, hi, I'm Peyote. And I'm Minotaur Man. And this is Cool Abed Films Chat, a podcast where we talk about the films that influence or referenced by the TV show community. Uh, this is a, we are both fans of the show community and we were both uh, active on the community Discord server. And that's how we, we've met each other. And today we're going to talk about the movie Face Off, which is a Nicolas Cage movie. As we know, uh, Abed once took a class called Nicolas Cage, Good or Bad. This is our second in our Nicolas Cage uh, series. So Face Off was released in North America in June 27th, 1997. It earned uh, $23 million on its opening weekend. It's number one in the Mexican box office, and it became the 11th highest domestic and 14th worldwide for 97. Uh, yeah, what really interesting piece of trivia is that these uh, films were actually filmed back to back um, between 1996 and 97, and they actually almost overlapped. So Nicolas Cage wasn't sure if he'd be able to actually be in both, but they were able to work around a schedule. And so we have uh, two classic blockbuster hits that came out within a couple weeks of each other, actually. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about Face Off today, and uh, we're going to basically... Um, look at the plot, talk about some history, and then we're going to try to see where we would rank it and how we thought we think maybe Abed would rank it. Um, so first off, Face Off is very different than Con Air. Would you agree? Oh, it is very different. Face <laughs> Off is, it's a, a John Woo movie. And if you, so at yeah. the time, you know, John Woo is known for his Hong Kong movies. They're very stylish. It's almost bringing a Kung Fu element to gunplay. Like the guns are all over the place. He's known for a lot of things, elements that we'll see throughout this movie. Uh, a lot of style, a lot of like, you know, if you could dodge bullets, this is how you'd want to dodge bullets. If you could somehow be better shooting two guns instead of one, this is how you want to shoot two guns instead of one. Yeah. So John Wu also had done uh, before this movie, he had done a couple of uh, other like action films. One was Hard Boiled. And then one of his really famous ones was Broken Arrow, which actually also starred John Travolta who is going to be the other main character in this movie besides Nicolas Cage. And uh, one thing I have to tell, like I want to talk about, it's the very beginning and the opening of this film. I was traumatized within two minutes of this film opening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what happens in the opening of the movie? Like most action, most action movies don't open with that much action because it opens and John Travolta's character is on him like a merry-go-round with the sun. And you're just like, Oh, this is like really sweet. And he like kind of creepily like uh, caresses his son's face in a very odd manner. And mm -hmm. then you see um, Nicholas Cage's character with the weirdest like porn mustache I think I've ever seen like, oh, yeah. in a movie. And like, he's setting up like this kill shot. And so you're like, okay, you know, like, is he like what's happening? And then out of nowhere, he ends up killing this kid by shooting him in the head. Now it was an accident granted, but I was not expecting like he, the kid was like five, a five-year-old kid to get shot in the head and die in the first two minutes of the movie. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Uh, the, the stash doesn't make any sense. Cause that doesn't take place in the seventies. It's supposed to take place in like 1991, I believe. So I yeah, don't know 1991 why. is when, so um, I believe it actually said it on uh, a police report, which you see in like another scene. Mm. It says that he was he ki was killed on September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. So yeah, like the porn mustache in this era is a little bit odd. 
Um, but I kind of also think that it was done in, like done there because um, immediately after that opening, it flash forwards like six years, I believe. So mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to like show time passing because when he comes, like when we see him again, he does not have this on him. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was just so very, very like strange this opening. And um, I was telling men um, like off before we started this, that I did not remember this movie at all. I know, I know that I have seen it because I remember like, like brief things like I knew what the movie was about and so mm-hmm. I think I watched it like in the early 2000s so when I was watching it again I was like wait what like I don't remember this at all like how do I not remember a kid getting shot in the head you think you would remember that in the opening of an action movie yeah and, and I know this movie really well I've, I've rewatched it many times and um, I'm just gonna say that the over-the-topness is a hallmark of this movie so just as Con Air was over the top in terms of action in terms of locks flowing in the wind and like the background, this huge explosion as Nick Cage and this wife beater runs away. This movie is known for its over the topness just in other aspects, like opening with the murder of a child. <laughs> it's one way to start. <laughs> I'm just like, what? It was so, um, and what, another really interesting piece of trivia is that for the most part, um, John Woo was basically allowed to do what he wanted, but the studio like basically um, told him like, you have to cut that part out because um, I think it was the Motion Picture Association of America wanted it out so that it wouldn't like get the R rating, I believe is what they sure, wanted. Sure. And John Woo refused to cut it. He's like, no, he's like, this literally sets up the entire like the entire storyline. Why Archer would even go, you know, do what he would do for the rest of this movie. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah. So that's like the opening of the film. So already, you know, this movie is going to be insane because of this. And then it goes into something even more insane. When you see, six years later, Nicolas Cage, who is Caster Troy, has lost a mustache. But he is planting a bomb in a church. No, it's at the L.A. Convention Center. Like, that's, that's the, the No, place. but th- if you look at the sign. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he, he's planting it in where the church is actually, like, meeting. So he's right. literally yeah. planting it inside a church. And yeah. there's a choir practicing hallelujah. Yep. And he's in this like full like priest like um, like uh, garment on and he starts dancing. Now, I've seen this. like You've probably seen this gif online of Nicolas Cage dancing like an insane maniac. This mm-hmm. is from this film. This is when he's doing it. And it's almost like he was twerking before twerking became like famous. <laughs> it was insane. And the mo- that's not even the most insane thing. The most insane thing is he goes over to this girl who like I swear she was a teenager. Yeah, right? Like yeah. she didn't look very old. And, like, he, like, just, like, grabs her butt and just, like, is acting like a maniac. And you yeah, can the, already tell, like, this movie is going to be, like, insane. There's no other word to describe it. The butt grabbing is, is actually fairly prevalent in this. It's establishing <laughs> Caster Troy, who's the Nick Cage character at this point, as, like, you know, he's, he's a worse than a womanizer. Right? He's, he's a sexual harasser, a serial sexual harasser. Yes, and, uh, for sure. I do think this, even as a bad guy, this might not be something that you could depict as much now. <laughs> but, but back in the, the 90s, you did. Yeah, it, it was a very different time. I will say that for sure. Um, I will but... also say, when you see Nicolas Cage acting like this at this point in time, this is the first time you've really seen him acting what we know as like the Nicolas Cage, giving the Nicolas Cage face, the face that's used in all the gifts. I mean, he was a little bit crazy in Kiss of the Vampire. He is a bit more downtrodden in Raising Arizona, but still like, a little bit of an everyman. This is him right. like acting he, his 
full-on nickel now what we think of as the volume changing Nicolas Cage this yes. is the full Nicolas Cage which is why this movie is so important but I also went looking for those gifts because I wanted to make sure and almost every single Nicolas Cage gift that is used is directly from this movie mm-hmm. it is him like literally being insane but I think like that like I think we had talked about this it's like a running theme through this movie is like the fact that he like he is insane like his character there's something wrong with his character mentally yeah yeah, sanity. This this is like a character that only exists in one movie, but it's like the the quote unquote criminally insane thing, as we saw in Con Air, right? Like this this archetype right, of no. the criminally insane. Like he's able to do these things because he doesn't think like the rest of us. His his brain goes to another place, and he can think of these absolutely bonkers plots and do things that no, the normal humans won't do. Right. Um, and so he plants it and then he and his brother are planning to um, take a private plane and fly away, basically. Mm-hmm. And the whole goal is that they're going to blow up this convention center and then they're going to get paid. And I think I think it's uh, Pollux who makes mention of the fact that, like, um, they're getting paid, I think, by Libyans. So they're actually being paid to plant this bomb. It's not just them being like crazy and planting a bomb on their own. Right. So, like, they're basically hired mercenaries. However, um, Pollux really messes up and he ends up paying for the plane on his own. And so they're able to track like his credit card, basically. So they know where they're flying out of. And so Archer manages to catch them and they, so they have this huge fight scene in the beginning of this movie, basically where this fight scene typically would be at the end of a, like a movie, an action movie. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's, it's as good as the end of a lot of movies. Right. Like this, even how he puts, um, how Archer puts Castor into a coma by yeah. turning on the jet engine. Yes. Basically. He turns on the jet engine. It makes Castor fly across the room and hit the edge of this fan. And just like, yeah, that yeah. kind of, that would be an ending move in a lot of movies. That's exactly. So it's, for me, it was very, very strange to watch this because I'm like, okay, this is, this is an ending. This is not like a beginning of an action film, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, it's this um, huge drag out fight. Yes. It's it's pretty crazy. There's a lot of so much shooting. You see, uh, you know, a, a staple of this movie is you see Caster Troy. So at this point, Nick Cage shooting with his two golden guns He's, because when one gun won't do it, why not just shoot with two guns? And uh, that's that's like his signature mark. Is, is he's he and uh, and John Travolta are having their gunfight. Right. One of the other things I was going to mention is um, in the scene before they actually get into this uh, to this fight. They are trying to take off and mm-hmm. um, Archer like goes up in the helicopter and he's like blocking the plane from taking off. Yep. And um, they have planted an FBI agent on the plane who is pretending to be the flight attendant. And um, Castor says to her, would you like to suck my tongue? And she just does immediately. And it's just like, this is very strange. This whole, this whole like thing was very strange because like, was this flight attendant, like, planning to do this all along? Did she want to do this? I, it was very, like, confusing to me about how, like, she ended up in that position, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You, you have Caster Troy. This is, again, setting him up as a, a womanizer. Uh, and, again, womanizer doesn't really fully describe it. <laughs> this uh, serial sexual harasser. And uh, the FBI agent is in there, and that's how they know that they're at the airfield, right? So that's how the right, FBI yep. ends up there at the right time. And this ends up being a huge plot point because Archer has a chance to perhaps 
stop the plane from taking off, but then he sees his agent is in trouble, but he can't put her in danger. And Caster Troy, of course, doesn't care. He ends up killing her anyhow. Okay, he doesn't just kill her. He literally yeah. takes her by the face and throws her out of the moving <laughs> plane. And then they, the plane literally r- drives over her. Yeah, yeah. This movie doesn't—it doesn't take anything at like a nine. Everything's at a ten or eleven. <laughs> so, is, by the way, I was looking at the time, Sam. This is in the first ten minutes of this film. <laughs> yes. In the first ten minutes, you have an assassination of a five-year-old kid, yep. and you have a woman literally being picked up by her face and being thrown out of a moving plane mm-hmm. and being run over. Yeah, after she got her tongue sucked off by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Basically, it's just. Again, insane. I, there's no yeah. other word for me to describe it. And yeah. we're 10 minutes in. This is, <laughs> there's over two we're, hours left to go in this film. We're nowhere in the plot. <laughs> so, so imagine watching this back in the day. Like, this is what your, your senses have felt at this point in time. Uh, and you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to expect out of Nicolas Cage. Because this is the first time you've seen him like this. You don't know what to expect in terms of action. And we haven't even gotten to the, big, the, meat, the meaty part of the movie yet. Like I said, insane. Okay. Um, so after the so basically after this happens, um, Casper goes into a coma and Pollux gets um, thrown in prison. Now he gets thrown into this prison that basically um, it's called um, Erewhon, which if you reverse that means nowhere. Oh, and nice. That's why it's called that. And they basically um, they ask Archer. So apparently there's like this super secret, like double secret agency that is like doing all of these covert missions that literally no other agency knows about yep which to me is insane and they say to archer like we're gonna we're gonna remove your face and we're gonna put his face on yours we're gonna and give I, yes the 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 title as the title implies this is the face-off procedure right now right here yeah the face-off procedure and archer at beginning he's like i am not doing that because yep. i think even then he realizes like this is crazy like things could go wrong and then they tried to explain the science of it, and none of it makes sense. Of course not. And none but... of it is, like, feasible. Now, um, I think John Woo, maybe he was on, like, I don't even remember, but John Woo said something about how he thought that this technology may be available sometime in the future. And so <laughs> that's why he was willing to go along with the storyline. So, okay, yeah. Who knows? Um, but I, they, I did look it up, and they said the first successful face transplant happened in 2012. Mm, so, okay. So, all right. So, so John, apparently, but it's not obviously not to the level that we see on Face Off, but apparently it is possible now. Yeah. So the Face Off procedure happens, and all of a sudden, you know, John Travolta now looks like Nicolas Cage, right? So, so we're gonna call so, yeah, him. So we we we. So he is gonna be called Faux Cage. Right. So you have Fake Cage now, okay? Yeah. So Faux Cage. Be, so this is what I was gonna say. This is Nicolas Cage, okay, pretending to be John Travolta, pretending to be Nicolas Cage. Yes. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> it, it, it actually makes absolute sense to me. Uh, this this is insane. And so to me, like, it, this is crazy because it's literally just Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. yeah, so when Caster or when um, Archer basically becomes Caster, so we're going to call him Faux Cage, when he gets yep. to prison... He has to somehow convince Pollux, who is his brother, to trust mm-hmm. him because the only reason he's going in there is because they know that there's a bomb and they need to find out where this bomb is. That's right. the whole point of him going into this prison. Yep. And we should talk about this this prison, right? So they're in this prison. 
it's a pretty awesome prison. Like you see this, this like high technology there. That every every prisoner has to wear these boots. And, yeah, these uh, insane boots. Yeah, these metal boots. And when they want to, they can set these boots to become magnetic, and all of a sudden the prisoner is stuck there wherever wherever they might yeah, be. Yeah, so they can't they cannot move. Yep. Um, I think there was another piece of trivia that um, the, when they actually wore the boots, they were so heavy that people could not move in them. Mm-hmm. And when they needed stunt doubles to actually do their um, their tricks and their different uh, action sequences, it took like twice as long because it, it literally, like, I think they said they were close to 20 pounds these shoes were wow. that they were supposed to wear. So they said it took so long trying to film the scenes in the prison because of it. So, yeah, so I would say that a lot of those um, stunt doubles and, like, the people doing all the action, like, they actually kind of suffered from having to have those boots on. But they looked really cool in the film. Yeah. Yeah, visually, this part's really cool. To to convince Pollux that uh, Archer's actually caster, you know, he initiates some fights. He beats up some other prisoners. And then he just yells randomly, I am Caster Troy, like a hundred times. <laughs> About, yeah, maybe a couple hundred times. <laughs> which is, like, not something that people, I don't usually yell my own name, uh, but that's that's what Archer <laughs> thinks Caster Troy would do. He's trying to act crazy. And uh, this is starting to hit the, like, insanity level of Nicolas Cage thinking that he is John Travolta trying to pretend he's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so there's one particular instance where I remember watching it where Nicolas Cage, as John Travolta, realizes he's not being insane enough. Mm. And he kind of looks at his brother and like you can kind of see the light bulb go off and then he mm-hmm. just goes full force, like over the top insane. And I don't think Nicolas Cage ever recovered from that because he tended to do that a lot then from then on. <laughs> I, I honestly believe this is the movie where we... The Nicolas Cage that we know, the insanity, the changing, this starts yes. here, right? It, yep. it almost starts at that moment. Like and this... I, really, I believe it starts right there. And yeah. the other thing I want to talk about here is that Pollux is in the prison and he's watching him. And you can tell mm-hmm. like he is really watching him mm-hmm. because it almost seems like he doesn't even trust that this is actually his brother. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like this will play a huge part later in the film mm-hmm. when, um, Archer, um, or Faux Volta, as we're going to call him, um, is able to kind of turn him against, um, like, right. his brother. Right, and I right. use brother in quotation marks. And so yeah. I kind of think also it's kind of important to talk about where the names Castor and Pollux come from. Mm-hmm. So, in Greek, so in Greek mythology, Castor and Pollux were brothers. And um, Castor... Uh, Castor, I believe, was the son of Zeus, and Pollux was the son of a mortal man. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like they were best friends all through childhood. And um, Zeus realized like how much his son would like suffer if his brother wasn't able to be at least like a little bit mortal. So he mm-hmm. gave some of his um, immortality to uh, the brother so that Castor and Pollux could basically be together forever. And right. um, Castor and Pollux are supposed to be the Gemini twins. And so Gemini is basically named after those two. And like the mythology is that Zeus basically put them in the, like into the heavens and they're now the, the Gemini constellation. So they'll, they'll be together forever. But this is right. also showing the importance of the brothers that like, the brothers really do care. Like they're literally best friends. They really care about each other. Even when Pollux continually messes up, Castor was always there for him and like cleaning up his messes. Right. So yeah. I think it's important to like talk about the fact that, 
Pollux is the most important person in the world to Castor. Even more, I would say more than himself. Castor cares about Pollux more than anyone else. He does. And they actually have a few nice uh, physical touches. Whenever Pollux has an untied shoelace, Castor leans down and he'll, he'll tie it. Because I, I guess that's right. part, yeah. part of his childhood. Yeah, and like, it also shows, I think, that just Castor is very protective of Pollux. He's the older brother, and so like he, mm-hmm. he just wants to take care of him. Right. So anyhow, Faux Cage does manage to get out of Pollux the location of the bomb. It's in the LA Convention Center, right? So we, we now know this. And but then we head back to the, the uh, clinic where, uh, where Tr- Caster Troy unexpectedly wakes up out of his coma, of course. Yes. <laughs> and you get an awesome scene where, you know, Nick Cage wakes up with no face <laughs> and just starts screaming. I need to talk about this. Let's go into it. Let's, let's okay. go deep. Yeah. So <laughs> I was watching this and I'm going to admit that I literally just watched this movie tonight. So it is very fresh in my memory. Yep. And when you when he wakes up and he literally he literally sits straight up in bed. I don't think anyone in a coma, especially for that long, would do that. But he sits straight up in bed and he starts removing his wrap. And it goes from the front of his face to the back, to the front, to the back. And the whole time I'm like praying, like, please do not show faceless in a cage. Please do not show. Because I was like, this is going to be so disgusting. And, and so yeah. you just hear him. So like you only see the back of his head. He gets up. He walks over to the the room where um, Archer's face is being held, and the screams and like the the like the, it was almost like wailing that comes out of Nicholas Cage's mouth. I laughed so I was laughing so hard I could barely breathe. <laughs> I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it's actually hilarious. The I mean, yells the movie, he, yeah. The movie is meant to be over the top. Now, whether that's funny or not, is, is a little bit. I just have debate. to say that that was funny. But a little later, um, they do show his faceless, like they show him faceless, basically. Yeah. And there's, um, there's one shot you see it. The one shot you actually and I was like, yeah, I, I did not want to see that. Did not need to see that. It was disgusting. But yeah. they actually, so he basically gets his henchmen. He calls them and he's like, I'm still alive. And they go and get the doctor that did the first procedure and that he basically forces him to put archer's face on him because he now is going to pretend to be sean archer if archer is pretending to be him so this right. is now where you're getting the um faux volta now the fake yeah. volta yeah full volta exists which is caster troy inside the body of sean archer and yeah. now we, we are in the meat of the plot where each there's a full full cage and a faux volta all yes. existing at the same time um, so, and so this, well, this also, this sets up where um, Archer is expecting, um, so the real Sean Archer, who is now the uh, faux cage, he's expecting to get out of prison so that he can give the, the true location. And this is when he's told, you have a visitor. Yep. And he goes into the room, they turn on the magnetic locks, and then in walks faux Volta. And he tells him um, that he... Um, is basically going to take over his life that he is going to basically sleep with his wife because his wife's lonely and he's going to be like the father to his daughter. And he basically tells uh faux cage, you're going to be in jail for a hundred years because he basically murdered everybody that knew about his mission. That's right. that, that's, in, that's including um like his, the bot, the boss lady that basically asked him to do this, his best friend, he kills them all, kills the doctor, and he says, I've destroyed any evidence that 
there ever was that you were on this mission and nobody knows who you really are and they will always think that you're going basically me. Yeah, this is the Nadir for the for the hero, right? Like everything has gone yeah. to crap. No one knows. He's he's in prison. <laughs> There's nothing that he can do. And uh and he's haunted by the face of the person he hates the most, right? So Yeah, and he he has his face now pretty much forever because his face is now on his mortal enemy. Yeah. We could probably talk about this a little bit. So this is a classic thing of like uh, you and me, we're, we're the same. Like, like you, you get that a lot with heroes and villains. Like they say that they're like the same person and uh, you get to embody it here with the hero and the villain have each other's faces, right? So I, I, gotta, I have to bring this up because this may not be the best part in the plot to talk about this, but sure. I just keep thinking about how Nicolas Cage was interviewed about this movie and mm-hmm. they, he was basically asked, like, why, are, why did you portray your character the way you did? And, like, why was it so hard for Castor and Archer to kill each other? And he, Nicolas Cage, believes that Castor, Troy, and Sean Archer are secretly in love with each other. Of so this is why yeah. they could not kill each other. Yes. And I was like, I never thought about that in this movie, but that's a very interesting take, I guess. Only in Nicolas Cage, only the true Nicolas Cage could come up with that theory and, and do that for an action movie. And that's right, why but they were secretly in love with each other. And I of was course. Like, oh, all right. Well, yeah. that, that would explain why, you know, Sean Archer couldn't kill, you know, Cage and, or uh, vice versa. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so we, we were, we're now that's, that's set up in the prison. And then the next scene we see is, uh, you know, faux Volta goes to Archer's home and then he's hitting on Archer's wife and he sees Archer's, uh, Archer's a teenage daughter, right? So, and just very uncomfortable. He walks in on like his daughter who's in her mm-hmm. underwear, and it's just very inappropriate and creepy. And you don't know like what he's gonna do, but it's like very foreboding. And yeah, it made me very uncomfortable watching it. Oh, it's super uncomfortable. Uh, you know, I think it was uncomfortable at the time, and the whole time, like he's reaching over her. He has a grabbing a cigarette, but you think he's just gonna grab her because we've already established. You have no idea. You have no idea. You're just like, what is about to happen in this night? Yeah. Because literally, okay. So here's my thinking: you already killed a child. <laughs> yes. You literally threw a woman by her face out of a moving airplane. Uh, mm-hmm. What's next? Are you going to basically rape your own daughter? Because at this point, I didn't remember anything in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if you don't remember the movie like that then there's there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of craziness that could possibly happen and then the wife you know they because archer has been like you know a workaholic so she's a little estranged and uh right. is getting a lot of attention now from full volta <laughs> yeah Fovol- and he also reads her diary Yes. Yeah. Where and he, he says like the date night's been ruined and like how mm-hmm. she doesn't like they haven't made love in a while. And so he's basically using that to get like into her good graces because he told he told him mm-hmm. when they were at the prison, Bo Volta tells Fo Cage, I am going to sleep with your wife. Yes. Yeah. And so that I think for him that's one of the main like goals that he has is that he's gonna make that happen because he wants to hold that over um Fo Cage. Oh totally. <laughs> Right, so the, the, yeah, there's this a level of hate here going between the two characters. It's just like right, it's an intense level, almost beyond wanting to just kill each other. They want to not only kill each other but like ruin each other's lives, right? So right, and I think was it? I think it was at this point too, like with within this area of the plot where she makes him go to the graveyard. 
Yeah, that's right. Right. And, and that's so a important I was part. so uncomfortable by this too because what which graveyard are they going to? Let's 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 they she is making him go to Michael's grave and this mm -hmm. so Full Volta killed Michael. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, this is Castor Troy in Travolta's body. And she's like, we need to go to the grave because it's Michael's birthday. And you yep. can kind of, like, he does not seem comfortable at all being there. Mm -hmm. Because for the first time, I think he has to realize that, like, how much it hurt the people that, you know, like he did that to. That it hurt her and that it hurt, you know, other people to lose him. Right. There's there's almost like a honor among thieves kind of thing where uh Troy Caster Troy is okay with trying to kill Sean Archer, but he wasn't he didn't intend to go kill a child, even though that's what happened. Right. right. He, even though he's a terrorist and doesn't mind killing lots of people and blowing up the LA Convention Center, which would kill lots of children. But there's a little bit of honor among thieves here where he doesn't like having to be confronted with what he's done to Exactly. Yeah. I will also say that this is also within this plot when Travolta, who is basically being um, faux Travolta, right? He's supposed mm -hmm. to be Nicolas Cage. I think that Travolta does a far better Nicolas Cage impression than mm -hmm. Cage does a Travolta impression because they're supposed to be playing each other. And yeah. I never buy it from Nicolas Cage. I <laughs> literally feel like it's just Nicolas Cage being himself. With okay. Travolta, I feel like he's at least trying to be the level of crazy that Nicolas Cage's character is supposed to like have. Yeah, yeah. We can get into that once we get into some awesome quotes later on. But both actors, I actually think, I, I, I do agree. I think Travolta probably does a better job. Travolta, to me, Travolta, like acting this way, is trying to be Travolta, like putting some, a little bit of the hamminess up there, a little bit of the over-the-topness, which is, which is great for him. And uh, I wasn't sure if I, I believe that Nick Cage adopting some of that Travolta craziness, a, a little bit of that swagger, is what leads to Nick Cage that we see later on. So yeah, so um, this is at the point then where um, Faux Cage realizes that he can't do anything if he's in prison, so he he needs to break out of this prison. And this is where he um, asks, like, how do we get out of prison? And so this is also where Thomas Jane shows up, which I love him as an actor. Yep. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot he was in this movie. And I, actually, I was more like, I didn't even know he was in this movie. But he <laughs> tells him, like, you basically can't. And he asks him, well, how do you get the metal shoes off? Mm -hmm. And he says, the only way to get those shoes off is you basically go to, like, their version of a brick. And then they shoot you with um, electro-like therapy, like shock therapy. To the point that you're like drooling, and then they then they take your shoes off because otherwise you'd die. Right, exactly. <laughs> and right. so, um, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So he goes into this uh, this prison hospital, right? And uh, the guy that he had started a fight with earlier is in there getting well, shot. So we should talk about how he even got <laughs> into right. the the hospital. So he decides that he's going to go up to one of the guards and ask him for a cigarette. Yes. And the guard's like, get away. Like, go get back in line. He's like, mm -hmm. I just wanted a cigarette. And he literally just starts beating up this guard. And yep. he um, is just acting over the top, psychotic, insane. And he just keeps, finally, he gets, he actually grabs a cigarette. And as he's being, like, taken away into this hospital, he keeps telling all the other inmates, anybody got a light? And they're just absolutely eating it up. Like, they, right. they are absolutely, like, think he's, like, a hero, honestly. Yeah. Right. 
And then he's in the prison hospital. He still has the cigarette, right? And he manages to get one of the guards to try to give him a light. And he uses that as the opportunity to like, to bust free, right? He gets the other, the guy that got electroshocked, who was the guy he beat up before. And he says, there's a little bit of, tiny bit of plot where um, the guy that he got into a fight with was mad at him because Caster Troy had slept with his wife, I want to say. And so it was his wife and sister? Yeah, his wife and sister, which, okay, I don't know how that happens. Sure, fine. (laughs) And, uh, and so he says, no, I didn't do that, but, uh, you know, let's, let's guess, get out of here. And then the guy believes him, and then there's this huge fight, and they And they so managed... this is also where uh, Wikipedia finally understands what a true riot is, <laughs> because <laughs> they say a riot starts. This is an actual riot, not so when oh, yeah. somebody lights somebody on fire, like in Con Air. So yes, I want to go back true. to the last episode. This one is yep. a real riot. Yes, a riot yeah. starts, and they literally get, it's a huge fight. Yeah, this is huge. Every prisoner's fighting, you know, cast uh <laughs> Faux Cage manages to like get a lot of stuff disabled so that they, they can fight and uh you know they, they're getting the shotguns, they're shooting guards and getting out of there, right? And so the, yeah, the so big I mean, it's a giant, like this this is a true riot. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge fight, right? This is this is a bigger fight scene than we saw before when we talked about the 10 minute mark with the airplane fight. Yes. Um, so, and so um, he finally gets to the top of the prison and he realizes that this is like almost like an oil rig. It's a giant prison out to sea. Yeah. Now, here's my question. You cannot see land. How far away are they from land? About 100 miles from land is my estimation. Okay. So here's this is where I like this is where the movie kind of loses me like completely. Yeah. So he's on the top. Mm-hmm. Apparently they have a helicopter in this prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They start shooting machine gun fire at him. Yes. He's able to outrun a helicopter with machine gun fire. Yes, because in John Woo land, you can outrun bullets. Like, that's, that's it's insane. Just, like, it's insane. Then, okay, he's literally at the top of this giant rig, and he jumps, I don't even, like, at least 100 feet into water. How does yes. he survive that? Um, Looks like he goes feet first, which is kind of good. <laughs> it's not like a... But still, like, how do you, like, just with physics... Yeah, when you hit, like you would have your legs broken. Like, uh, yeah, how he should does he survive this? <laughs> so not only does he survive it, he obviously makes it to land. Yes, by also swimming. Okay, so like, he swims. <laughs> yes, uh, you're telling me he swims a hundred miles. Yes. I, so this at this point, I'm just like this movie is insane. Like more than insane. Yeah. I don't understand what is going on. This movie doesn't make any sense. But I'm like, oh yeah, no, fine. This is an action movie. Suspend disbelief with Con Air. I apparently have to do this with Face Off, but to me, Face Off has way more plot holes than Con Air. <laughs> Face Off definitely goes; it, it takes it to the next level. This one, everything in Face Off takes it to eleven. So yeah, he he, he escapes. Is <laughs> the point of this, right? Uh, so uh, this is where we find out that, that Gina Gershon, um, his brother, is basically Caster Troy's best friend outside of his brother, obviously. And that he used to hang out with him all the time at his house. And so he basically just shows up there um, and tells him Dietrich is the brother. And basically, this is where Faceoff is uttered for the first time. Yes. And you get a monologue where this apparently was improvised by Nicolas Cage, where Dietrich asked him, what do you want to see happen? Right. 
And so this has a very weird back and forth between them about him saying, like, I want his, you know, his eyes, his ears, his nose. I want it all. I want it off. And so this right. Is so yeah, at this point we hear the line where he says he wants his face off, and it, that's, it should be noted that at this point they're doing a lot of drugs, no. because so, <laughs> yes. that's what Caster Troy is known to do. And so him, Dietrich, Sasha, and like the whole gang, they, they do a lot of drugs, and we get the the huge the face off speech. Right. And so the other thing that's kind of interesting is that in the title of the movie face off um, is separated by a slash mark, a the slash symbol. Mm -hmm. And John Woo wanted it put in there because he was very concerned about the fact that people would think it was a hockey movie. So mm. he refused to take the slash out. Hmm. But the studio apparently said, like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? And he's like, I'm not removing it. Well, it remains there and it's iconic. <laughs> yes. Um, and so one of the next uh, things that happens is um, you see that um, it's back at um, the archer's house. Mm -hmm. And so Vo Volta is in the kitchen and he's on the phone and he's basically talking to his henchmen and saying like, I, I have to kill um, Fo Cage. Yep. Because he realizes that like Fo Cage, it, like he's alive, you know, like he, is, he, he escaped from prison. He has found out that he escaped. Right. And he looks out and his, so Jamie drives up and she's riding in a car with her boyfriend and played by Danny Masterson, who plays Carl. And basically Carl tries to rape her and he goes out. And so Fo uh, Volta goes out and actually beats the crap out of Carl and basically tells him to apologize and to like take off. And so he, he does. And he tells um, Jamie, um, well, like if you dress up like Halloween and ghouls would try to get in your pants, which even for 97, that's a pretty backwards way of thinking, not very progressive. Yep. But she basically shoots back at him and says, like, why would you basically blame a victim of so, like, of attempted rape or even rape? Which for me, that's actually pretty progressive for 1997 that she would call him out on that. At this point, that's an interesting exchange that happens that you think, wow, may maybe Troy isn't that, Caster Troy isn't that bad, right? Because he's, he stands up for her. He prevents this uh, before you're worried that he's going to like rape her. <laughs> and right. Yeah. He but you also, you, yeah, he's being protective of her. And he also asked her, do you have protection? And she's mm -hmm. like condoms. So she's getting freaked out. He's like, no, do you have protection? And he hands her a knife. Yes. And t shows her how to use it. And, he, and he's, uh, she, he's asked to her, the next time he tries anything, you stab him in the thigh and you twist it so that his wound won't close. Yep. This is very important for later. This is a very important thing that we know. Okay. So now yes, we, yeah. the, <laughs> she's got a knife, which is cool. All right. So now, and also in this scene that we realize that uh, Full Volta has been using the FBI to take out all the other terrorist cells because yes. he's doing it to clear things up so that, you know, when he resumes his life, presumably as uh, Caster Troy, there's no competition. And he can do this because he knows about all the other competition. Right. And so it's at this point that um, Fo Cage is now in his old den and he knows where they are. Mm -hmm. And so he launches a huge attack against them. Right. Now, one of the things that happens here is that Fo Cage is there and Gina Gershon shows up and basically punches him, knocks him out. And he wakes up and she throws, her throws herself at him and he's like, no, no, I'm not interested in this. And so um, she ends up introducing him 
to who, you know, she thinks that this is Nicolas Cage. She thinks this is Caster, and she introduces him to his son uh, yep. named Adam. Yep. And this is a, a scene where you can tell that, like, things are taking a mental toll on um, faux Cage. Yes. Because he's kind of losing it, and he starts calling him Michael, and he starts, like, weirdly rubbing his face like he did to his son. Yes. And calls him Michael over and over. And you can tell that Sasha, who was played by Dina Gershon, is very, like, what is on like you're scaring this like poor kid and so you can tell like this has a huge effect on um faux faux cage here and basically as soon as this happens um Pollux calls his brother Ka- uh, caster who is faux volta and says they're they're at our hold or hold our old hangout and this is when um he calls up basically the SWAT team to take him out right yeah, and we have one of the biggest, <laughs> yet again, now the biggest fight that we've seen so far <laughs> with many yes. FBI so th- this agents. Is the, now, th- th- now this is the third biggest, so, yes. right? This is, so far it's the biggest, but the third huge fight scene. Yep. One of the most in- weird, like one of the weirdest things to me in this fight scene is that they give um, Adam a Walkman and they're like, okay, put this this headphone on and we're going to play you some music. Yep. And it is Olivia Newton-John singing Over the Rainbow. Yes. As they are having this gigantic gunfight. And it's like the weirdest juxtaposition of what is going on. At a certain like, point, yeah. The music does not, like for me, the music does not fit the scene at all. It is so weird. Right. And so that, that's actually a, a good point because that's a staple of John Woo movies to have music in there. So they, they cut out all of the sound effects. So you don't hear the gunshots anymore. And all you hear is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That's just playing through his headphones. So what he hears, right, yep. silence as you know the ballet of gunplay is played around them. It's- so one of the funniest things here to me, this trivia is that uh, John Woo like insisted to have this version. He wanted Olivia Newton John to sing it, mm-hmm. and the studio out said, "No, we're not paying for this. Like we don't care. We're not paying for any more money for this movie." And so John Woo paid for it out of pocket nice. and after a. After it got like after it was like a huge box office success, the studio paid him back. Huh. Nice. Because I realized he was right that it needed to be to have that you know music in it, and they said that th- this was pretty iconic scene from this film because without this, you know, you don't really you don't really get the payoff at the end of the movie without this scene. Basically. Yeah, this is a a, a knockout dragout fight, uh, and it culminates where Pollux ends up getting killed. Right, so he yes. he was there, and he in the in the gunfight, as the two of them actually do go at it at one point. So you have Faux Volta right. and Folchoy. Right, so, like it's not just like Pollux dies. Yes, it's like Nicholas. So it's like Faux Cage killing Pollux. Yep. By basically throwing him through a like a glass window or a glass ceiling. Yes. To the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yep. and Pollux dies right in front of Faux Volta. Right. And yeah, Faux Volta and Faux Cage yeah. have this huge fight. So now, now we finally set up this, the, the perfect symmetry, right? So yes. Caster has killed the son, the most important person to, uh, to Sean Archer. And then now Sean Archer has killed the brother Absolutely. of yep. Caster. So we are, we're full symmetry here. We even get a scene where they're back to back and then they have to shoot each other through mirrors, which is, of course, yeah, so perfect. Th- this actually really sets up, too, that they're, 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 it's basically a double-sided mirror. Yeah. And they're on each side. And they're looking at each other, and they realize that they're on the opposite side because they can hear each other, and they just start shooting through the mirror. Now, it's at this point that I wrote 
in my notes, this movie is way too long because honestly, <laughs> the ending could, the ending could have been there. Yeah, the ending could have been in this like building. Yeah, but no, we need to have another like hour of this film. <laughs> you, you think you're done? And yeah, this could have been a nice short 120 minute movie, but no, it actually. Right, you're just like okay, th- this can end. Nope, uh, let's have another 40 minutes of this. Yeah, okay, it, it's bonkers. <laughs> So, you know, we've now established like this action movie as like psychological drama. <laughs> and so there's a huge fight. Of course, you know, Faux Cage manages to escape along yes. with, uh, you know, Sasha. Uh, and then her brother dies, right? And there's a scene with yes. Sasha and her brother Dietrich. And what <laughs> happens here? Okay, so um, he, he gets shot in the neck. Yes. by um basically his friend like mm-hmm. his best friend shoots him in the neck as he's escaping and he tells sasha take take adam and go and uh sasha like comes back and they full-on make out yes sasha and her this is her brother they make out they totally do it's very 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 strange yes but uh for trivia here apparently uh gina gershon um is the one that suggested this because she thought that they would just they would be that kind of family, very messed up. And so it made it into the final cut of the film. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you don't want to have, if there wasn't enough bonker ball stuff for you already, yeah, now we got a little bit of incest. Just just a little, just, a little hint of it. We don't quite see it. Why not? Throw, everything else is in this movie. Child killing, yes. you know? Women being thrown out of planes by their faces. Why not just add incest? I mean, we we saw the face changing and then a man without a face and he touches his (laughs) faceless head. So why not throw this in there? Uh, So, yeah, after this, then um, Faux Volta goes back to the um, his office and he is uh, confronted by the director of the FBI, Victor Vizarro, who basically tells him, like, you are being shut down. We are not like we're not going to let you do these raids anymore because you're basically on a power trip. Yep. And uh, Volta, uh, so Volta kills him. Basically, karate chops him to the neck, but he makes it look like a heart attack. Yeah, I don't know if that works. I'm gonna go out and say that, like, I don't think you could hit someone in the neck and make it look like a heart attack. Somehow, that like this is up. what happened. I'm just saying this. I is what I, I realize it's what happened, but that's. <laughs> So, but you know what? If so, if Bo Cage could survive a hundred foot drop into water and swim a hundred miles to shore, yeah, this could happen. Yeah, who to you. who am I to complain about the the fake heart I mean, attack? Yeah, we could we talk about the crazy signs of switching faces? If that could happen, this could happen. <laughs> all right, fi- fair In enough. Fact, th- this is this is far more likely to happen than the face swap. All right, thing. all right, yeah, maybe maybe now is not the time for me to make scientific <laughs> complaints about this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a little late for that, I would say. All right. Um, so yeah, so the heart attack happens, and then um, they he they decide that uh, well he he wants his wife, who is not, obviously not really his wife, to go to the funeral uh, with them. But then at this time, um, Fouquet shows up at the house and um, tries to convince Eve that he is actually the real Sean Archer, right. and he tells Eve, "I um, am O negative." And he is AB. Yep. And he, yep. she's like, you, he, he says, you need to do a blood test, basically. Right. So th- they reveal the one thing that isn't changed between the two. Like, their faces are completely changed. I guess they never even talk about fingerprints or anything like that. I'm assuming that that... Yeah, it wasn't fingerprints. Um, it's, that, it's the very beginning of the film when they are explaining the face-off procedure to him. Yeah. They say, um, the doctor says, the only thing that we can't change is your blood type. And they literally say your blood type is O negative and his is AB, but nobody will ever know the difference. Right. And Obviously this is setting up and foreshadowing that 
this is going to be a huge, it's not a throwaway line. This will, you know, play a huge part yep. later in the film. Yeah. So she, um, she um, basically has like a syringe and she stabs him in the arm while he's sleeping. And she takes um, just like a little bit of his blood. Yeah. And she goes to the hospital because she is, she's an ER doctor. Right. And so she goes to the hospital and she does a blood test and she realizes that that's actually her husband, that yeah. he looks like Castor, uh, Castor Troy, but it's actually her husband. Right, and she's been and, sleeping with Caster Troy this whole time. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. They've been sleeping together. And Sean Archer, who's uh, Faux Volta, shows up at the hospital. Yep. Because at this point, he doesn't trust. Like, he, he knows that Eve is, like, catching on to this. Yeah. And he tries to catch her and him in the act, and um, Faux Cage is able to get away at this point. Right, right. She, he comes to save the day. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think uh, Faux Volta knew <laughs> that she was onto it. Like... She stuck him in the arm with a syringe. <laughs> like he's supposed to still be sleeping. Like all the, you know, it's, it's again, it's hard to complain about anything here. But like, really, you're gonna stay asleep? And you're stuck in the arm with a syringe. Yeah, I think you would wake up. Like, I'm pretty sure that. most people are gonna wake up. Like if you get stabbed in the arm. In in a movie full of ridiculous things, this is almost like I couldn't forget. This part. It's crazy, truly. Um, so yeah, so. He, um, Focage basically, and Focage tries to get Eve to go, to go basic, go away and take, um, their daughter with her. And she's like, I can't do that. Yeah. Because she knows that, like, already she's in too deep. And she tells him, she's very straight up. She goes, I've been, like, I've been with him, like, man and wife yep. for a week. Yep. Because she didn't know this. And Focage basically takes full responsibility. Yeah. He's like, I, he's like, I put you in this position. This is not your fault. This is my fault. And he's like, I will fix this. Yeah. So whenever you're in a bonker ball situation where you can swap the face with another man, then don't be surprised if crazy things are going <laughs> to <gonna> ensue. <laughs> right. So um, she, um, so Eve ends up going to the funeral with Archer. Yep. And she is able, though, to keep the daughter away. At least, she, you know, that's the, the plan. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, she stole money from me. And she doesn't want, like, she, she won't even go to her own brother's, like, grave. What what makes you think she's going to go to a funeral for somebody she doesn't even know? Right. And Archer isn't very happy about this, but they go to the, they go to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when you see doves start taking off. Oh, yeah. There's doves all over this church. And this is setting yep. up yet another... Yep john woo staple like if you see doves then you know action's about to happen because john woo and loves also, him okay, some so doves this is also the second place where this movie could have ended <laughs> it could have just ended right here yeah so we're at the funeral right the doves are there uh the funeral for director laszlo who as we know Fovolta has killed and uh you know faux cage manages to get in and sneak a message to Fovolta. Uh, he sends him the picture of michael right yes and uh, everyone clears out, and now we have a confrontation, finally, of full Volta, full cage, out in the open in this church. In this church, yes. And they, they basically gunfire. And I'm like, okay, so you're in a church, and you are shooting guns. Yep. Okay, like. <laughs> guns. This is now happening. Lots of guns. So on top of everything else, we now have sacrilege. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> guns in a church, slow motion. But let's talk about what starts the gunfight, though. Before that happens, you know, Gina Gershon shows up. So we have yes. the Mexican standoff where there's guns pointed. You've got people with two guns pointing at two different people at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't know who's who yet. She thinks she's on the, the side of Faux Cage because she wants to protect him. And she wants to kill Faux Volta, which ends up being the right you know, way to go. 
and uh, other people are there. Henchmen come in. There's guns pointed, and then of course the, the knockout dragout fight with slow motion doves uh, ensues. Yeah, like th this part's crazy. Yes. And the fight between Cage and uh, Travolta here. Mm -hmm. This could have been the ending because. It's a long fight. This is a long yeah. gunfight. It's a very long fight. And one of the other things that happens is that Archer like realizes that like everybody's on to him at this point. Yeah. So um so Fovolta calls his henchmen to basically kidnap the daughter and bring her to the church. Right. Yeah. The jig is up because so, Eve is told yeah, people. So, yeah. Yeah. So like he's basically um like she comes in and she thinks that that's her real father. She thinks, you know, mm -hmm. Fovolta is really her dad. And so um she is there's a scene where she's caught between both faux volta and faux cage yep and they're basically trying to like say no i'm your father no i'm your father listen listen yep and uh she shoots her father yes <laughs> because she you know she she's not sure and then um she he basically like talks to her so faux cage talks to her and she finally realizes it's her real dad and so well that that happens and faux volta also just holds threatens to kill her so really right. reveal well, who's well, at this point because she, she shoots she shoots her father in the arm yep and this is when volta or for volta basically grabs her by the neck and he's like no daughter of mine would shoot that wide right and takes her hostage so at this right. point she's like okay like this this is clearly like a, a bad man yep yep and he's basically taunting cage like saying like oh like i have everything like you're you're ruined and this is where that knife, that protection that he gave her full Volta is used against him because yep. she stabs him in the thigh and turns. Yep. And she, she wounds him very, like she literally, she literally does everything he told her to do. That we get the she, payoff she, for that. Yeah. And she uses it against him, which for me, the movie could have ended here. Like, you know, they could have gone the upper hand movie over. That's yep. fine. You know, we need we need another twenty minutes of this movie now. <laughs> yeah, uh, lesser movies end here, but no, now is the time where they both <laughs> escape, and somehow there's a huge boat fight. <laughs> yeah, so they they both escape. Of course, it's on the water. They both escape to these speedboats. Yep. And I don't even know how many explosions are in this like fight scene, but yeah. it is a ton of like. Like, Bo boats go through other boats. There's boat explosions all over the place. There's a part where right, so Nicholas Cage is water like, skiing. So the, the, I think isn't a border patrol. So they're yes. literally like on, they're on the, the like apparently maybe it's California. They're on the coast of like another country basically. Yeah. Because border patrol is there and says like pull over, pull over, pull over. And of course, um, Nicholas Cage's boat goes right through yes. that boat. Like, it explodes. His boat's fine, which is so weird because that's a much smaller boat going through a much larger boat. You don't think that that boat would be fine? It's fine. Yeah, now's not and the time for logic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, Cage manages to jump onto Fo Volta's boat, and they get in this huge fight. And Volta is fighting him with an anchor. Yes, a boat anchor. He's just throwing the boat anchor at him. He gets him on the side. So then, th this is also like. This point in this movie is where I realized I was like, none, of, nothing about this movie makes sense because Faux Cage grabs the like a chain where the mm -hmm. anchor is, and he's skiing yes. without skis in the water, yes. hanging onto this chain like he would literally be like dead. Oh yeah, that, if that, he was doing this in real life. Yeah, this can't happen. Like you can't water ski no. with just shoes and just pull onto right. a boat and somehow do this. <laughs> I was just watching this and I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is so ridiculous. Yeah. And what's and then, awesome is it the, the fight, the movie doesn't end with the boat fight. No. No, it does not. 
<laughs> and so then they're, they're going up to this huge tanker. Yep. And then that tanker blows up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and they, then they get thrown off of that boat. Yep. Oh, by the way, that boat does like a 360. Of course. Narrowly misses it with like the spinning um, engine, the motor. And then it explodes as it crashes. And then they get thrown onto dry land. Not one of them has any broken bones, which they would if this was real life. And then they get up and start like fist fighting. They kids fight because one of them shot in the arm. The other one has had a knife in his thigh, which was twisted. Yeah, and yep. yet they can keep fighting for a while oh, yeah. on the beach. Right. So there's this knockout, drag out fight. Finally, Faux Cage gets the upper hand and he's got a, 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 a sea spear. I don't know what you call it. This thing. Uh, uh, no, it's a harpoon. It's a harpoon. And he shot it's it. Right. <laughs> and he's got him. He's got him dead to rights. And so Full Volta's holding the, the harpoon, knowing that he's going to die as soon as he has to let go. And so what does he do at this point in time? So Full Volta takes, he's, he realizes he's going to die, but the what, last thing he's going to do is he, he takes a piece of broken glass and he cuts up his own face so that, so that Sean Archer will be forced to stick with Caster Troy's face for the rest of his life. Is the idea. Yeah, so he, he basically like tries to make it so that he'll never get his own face back. Right. Yes, he will be stuck in this state of perpetual face-offedness. Yeah. And so, yep, so he dies. Yep. In this scene because he harpoons him and he literally like, I think it's through the chest and then he ends up like dying here. Right. He dies and there. Yep. His wife and daughter um, come up to him like and he's fine. And his wife basically says, we're flying in the the best. So you have a search team coming from Washington, D.C. And I was like, how are there two groups of doctors that can do this when they said only like this one doctor knew how to do the surgery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now they violated the rules of the movie already. Where like, so, so now, I was like, yeah. What? Yeah. They, they can now. It's like, so you're telling me they're. This whole time, this procedure was possible just by any random surgeon? I guess so. If you, if you one so person swap yeah. a face, someone else can swap a face. Okay, and so all of this is unbelievable. But to me, one of the most unbelievable things happens at the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. where, so, where Archer is finally back in his body. So we have the real Travolta back in his real body. Mm -hmm. And he's walking up the stairs. And his wife and daughter are really excited to see him. Because apparently they haven't seen him with his new face in the hospital. Which also to me didn't make any sense. Yes, makes zero sense. They would have visited <laughs> <laughs> right i was like okay so he opened the they he opens the door they run to him and they're all really excited and one of my favorite quotes happens here when the daughter says sorry i shot you in the arm dad yes like okay cool <laughs> and then he says okay he's like well i have a surprise for you i have a question to ask you and he brings in adam the little boy and says well this little boy needs a place to live yes and immediately the daughter jamie rubs his face awkwardly like the whole family does like this is literally the only way that like they could figure out this was really him apparently is because he loves touching people's faces yeah which is so weird. totally messed up like if you know if you've got a family don't do this this is not a proper way to treat your your family just like rubbing it is their faces. so weird i this it's so weird yeah and so he says um he he just looks at his wife and he basically the daughter is like immediately like hi adam you know i'm jamie and he's like, you want to show him his room? Yeah. It's Michael's room. They never t changed it. And they're just going to, like, replace Michael with Adam? Yes. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, well. And so then yeah. he doesn't even say anything to his wife. He just looks at her and mouths okay. And she's like, okay. Yep. 
What? And that, oh my god! And that is how we conclude this movie in full of crazy things. So it literally okay. So the movie starts with a, a child being assassinated. Yes. And it ends with that child being replaced. Yes, that's exactly right. That's that's that's. So that, you know what? I that that's the plot of the movie. A child dies and a child's replaced. You don't need to watch any of this movie. Some face swapping too, which is the important part. I guess if you want to watch the face swapping and boat scenes, yeah, it's fine. So we've already hit a lot of great quotes already. Are there any other quotes that we uh, we need to to touch on that that have happened? Okay. Yes, I I have written some quotes that mm-hmm. I want to talk about because mm-hmm. one. Okay, so one of the quotes that happens is when um, Faux Volta is basically hitting on Archer's wife yes. all the time. Yeah. And there's one where she's leaving and he's like looking at her butt. And he says, and this, I did not realize the line was from this movie, but he says, um, I, I love to watch you, or I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, that's where this movie, like that's the quote where this movie is from. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that made me laugh really hard. I think we talked about the fact that he said to his uh, to Jamie, "Dress up like Halloween and ghouls will try to get in your pants." Yep. That was another one that I really liked. Um, and then also, yeah, sorry, I shot you in the arm, Dad. Yeah, those are those are great ones. I have one that the only one that we haven't touched on is right after okay. uh, Bo Cage has given his like, "I want to take his face off" speech. Yes. So he does that and then walks off to the bedroom to like sleep off his drugs. And Dietrich just goes, "No more drugs for that man." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one is really funny. He's like, "Okay, no more drugs for that guy." Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, yeah. So I really enjoyed that. So um, I also have some more trivia that I want to talk sure. about because let's do it. There's a lot of really fascinating trivia from this uh, movie, right? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the fact that um, Mark Wahlberg was actually offered the role of Pollux and he turned it down. Yeah, can you imagine Mark Wahlberg in this film? can't imagine anyone other than Nicolas Cage at this point in time. Like I, it. Well, so he's not playing Castor. He's playing the brother. Okay. I can't imagine. imagine I can't imagine him there. That doesn't work. That's what I was saying. It doesn't. That's so weird. Okay. So this is what I did not know this, but there were some other pairs of actors that were considered to be the stars. Right. So instead of Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, this is who you could potentially have gotten in this film. Okay. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. Very interesting. Schwarzenegger, yes, Schwarzenegger playing Nicolas Cage's role, mm-hmm. and Sylvester Stallone playing John Travolta's. Yeah, it's it's interesting from an action movie standpoint, but not right from the psychological standpoint because so much of this movie is psychological. Right. Um, the next one is Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas. Harrison Ford playing Nicolas Cage and Michael Douglas playing John Travolta. So Harrison Ford would have played a villain in this film. Yeah, that's interesting. That's like old yeah. man, old man face off. In a lot of ways. Okay, so then the third pairing potentially could have been Bruce Willis in Nicolas Cage's role and Alec Baldwin in John Travolta's. Yeah, interesting. I could actually, I could actually see that too. Honestly. I could, I could see it working because those guys are good enough actors that they could, they could add a little of insanity. As we've talked right. about, this movie is insane, and it only works if you have the right level of insanity with your. Okay, your two well, this this next pairing to me is insane. Okay, and. I would actually love to see a remake with these two actors. I don't think it could happen now because they're both pretty old. Okay. But Al Pacino <laughs> and Robert De Niro in these roles. Yeah. And so that's basically the, the face-off version of Heat, right? Like the, Right, the yeah. But just 
to me, that's so insane. Like the face-off procedure. Like I just cannot see these two actors doing this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last one that I actually would I would have loved to watch is John Claude Van Damme versus Steven Seagal. Right. I think that would have been a great action film, but I think think it also probably wouldn't have been the acting probably would have been up first. Yeah, they, they what we actually it. got. So yeah, I, I think what we got was pretty good. Uh, I, I think this this was in the end of the day this was the best possible way to make this kind of movie. Okay, so this is also in the early drafts of the film. Archer was supposed um, to go to Caster's mother's place to hide out. Mm. Okay. The writers okay. wanted the mother to be played by Elizabeth Taylor, or listen to this, Jack Nicholson in drag. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> can you imagine that? Yeah, if you so can Caster's somehow make this. Mother, oh my Caster's God. Caster's mother, Jack Nicholson drag, playing Caster's mother and Archer trying to pretend she'd be Caster. That would be great. Yeah. I, I really wish that that would have made it into the final draft, to yeah. be honest. That. Um, okay, so this one really also like made me laugh. So Joel Schumacher mm-hmm. of the Schumacher Brothers, who made Batman and Robin, visited Nicolas Cage on set and offered him the role of Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow, in the sequel to Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which never actually came out because that movie was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was like, can you? I was like, Nicolas Cage in one of those original Batman, like you know, in the Tim Burton Batman movie. I'm like, I don't know that I could do that either. Really. Those but are... you know, at this point, maybe he could have been crazy enough to pull it off. So this is again the start of the the Nick, crazy Nick Cage. So this, I could see that actually. Okay, so I have one more piece of trivia. Over the course of a two-hour and twenty-minute movie, the two main leads, Sean Archer and Caster Troy, only meet a total of four times. Yeah, and that's crazy, right? Like it seems right. like they're there all the time. Yeah. Because I was trying to think. So the first time they meet is in the prison. Yep. The second time, is that at the drug den? Yep. Yep. When they, they, they're back to back with the, the mirrors in between them. Yep. The third time is the church. And the fourth time is the big fight at the end. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And that's it. Yeah, it feels like the there's... rest of that movie. <laughs> the rest of that movie is them playing their characters like out in different places. But that's really crazy to me, too, that. You don't really see them together in the movie a whole lot. No, you totally don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think part of like the strength of this film, because honestly, one of my main gripes, and I've talked about it repeatedly, is this movie is way too long. Yeah. However, it is done. I do think it's done well in the fact that both Travolta and Cage can carry their parts effectively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So on their own, they're fine. And even in the scenes together, they're fine. But like individually, they do show their, their strength as actors because they have to carry so much of it. Just them like playing, you know, a different feel like um, they were able to um, carry their their own parts very well because because a lot of it was just them acting on their own without, you know, they're not playing off of each other. They're playing with other side characters, just playing a role that they basically had to carry most of the film with. Yeah, totally. So now, yeah, now that we've gone through all that, where do you rank this in the Nicolas Cage pantheon? Like, how does this compare to Con Air? Well, I will say that this one um, is rated 80% in Rotten Tomatoes, so it's rated much higher than Con Air. So mm-hmm. critics like this movie a lot more. Yeah. I prefer Con Air, if I'm honest. And I know other people that do, too. Like, I feel like with today, when you go back and watch these movies, Con Air, 
exists as a pure action movie and you know big explosions it sort of makes sense this one's a weird one because it's as we've talked about there's a lot of weirdness in this movie i like it more because of that i think that's it's important it keeps it iconic in terms of like the, the level of bonker balls is actually really enjoyable to me i can understand why some people might not like it as much as con air though i just to me it's way too long <laughs> and the fact that like a child dies in the first two minutes like I literally had to shut the movie off for a couple of days because I was just like I I'm not feeling this movie. <laughs> like I didn't want to watch that. Yep. I was traumatized by it. Let me tell you how I, I like, just yeah. give me Con Air. I watched Con Air, and for some reason I just immediately started this up right away. I'm going to tell you right now that was a bad idea. In fact, so I watched both movies back to back. I had so much Nicolas Cage in me. I actually needed some time after the movie, a good like 20 minutes to like come down from that because the, the level of insanity was way too much for me. I, I think I hit well, the, I mean, that level so like, of Abed. It, it, yeah. Like, yeah, it, ran, it ramped up in Con Air, and then it just literally, like, went off a cliff in Face Off. Oh, yeah. This movie's insane. I, but I think that's why it's it's good, actually. So I, I I do rank it higher than Con Air, again, because of the the difficulty of concept and the, the, the overall craziness of this. But, yeah. I will say that I prefer Con Air just because it's, for me, it's just easier to like ingest it and watch it than it is than Face Off. However, I do think Face Off was better than. Yes. Outside of, I would say John Malkovich is like you can't really compare him to like a villain, really. Like, cause in Face Off, like both of them are playing villains at various points. Totally. So they they do what they need to do in that in that like sense. Yep. But John Malkovich's villain, just straight villain, to me is much more enjoyable. To Right. Now, finally, what would Abed say if he's gotten to this stage of the Nick Cage canon? Okay, so I think Abed loves this film. Really? Yeah, I, I think he does, too. But here's the thing, like, what you were saying is mm -hmm. that it, it's it's very high concept. Mm -hmm. yep. They pull it off. Nicolas Cage, like, while he's acting crazy, like, he's still not, like, acting terribly by any means and it's very highly rated so i think he does enjoy this film so what of the of our rankings from uh one opposite of batman to five buttered noodles where do you think abed lands i would say he'd probably give this a four too i don't think he'd give it a five i'm gonna agree i'm gonna say that abed gives us a four kick puncher detroit in, in our yeah. scale um yeah and so at this point in time abed's thinking wow nick cage he's really uh, He's quite the actor, right? He, this, he doesn't have any indications. Yeah, so these are the only two films so far. Con Air, he probably thinks this is better than Con Air. So he's like, okay, probably a four and a half, maybe in between yep. four and five. And I definitely think he would say Nicolas Cage is a good actor if he's only seen these two films of his. Right. We'll have to, you know, we're only going to cover one more Nick Cage in the Nick Cage trilogy, the action trilogy of the 90s. And uh, we'll have to talk about the other movies that Abed would have seen, which would have lead to his, his, uh, his performance in the, in the episode. All right. So I think that's all that needs to be said about Face Off. Yeah, I don't really feel like there's uh, too much more to like delve into here. It's a pretty, um, pretty crazy movie. Um, I really hope that if you've made it this far that you've actually seen this film and we haven't just spoiled a whole bunch of stuff for you. But like I said, um, a child dies and a child's replaced at the end of the movie. So maybe that's all you need. Again, <laughs> that's really all you need to know if you want to watch it by all means go ahead and watch it Highly and you may it. totally you may totally disagree with me you think this movie is amazing and that i'm totally off base which is fine you can email me that um yeah the email will be in the description uh we are now on apple podcasts 
Uh, we're on Spotify, and um, I believe we're pretty much wherever you can find podcasts now. So if you could, we'd really enjoy and appreciate if you would left, uh, would leave us a five-star review if you think it's good. And uh, subscribe to us so that you can um, basically um, know when new episodes are airing. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope to see you guys again next time. Thank you, and goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, here's some other community-related podcasts that you'll be sure to love. Hey, community fans. This is Alex, host of Six Seasons and a Podcast. Throughout the past six months, I've been interviewing writers, crew, and cast members from the show community. It's been such a privilege getting to know these thoughtful and creative people. I hope you enjoy our conversations. If you haven't listened to any episodes yet, I recommend starting with Andrew Guest. He was the first writer to come on the show and has some amazing stories about community, as well as behind-the-scenes explanations of how a writer's room works. Welcome to the show, and thanks for listening. Thank you.